The Staying Healthy Show is owned and produced by Stay Healthy Media, Inc. All opinions expressed by the hosts or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station management or any of its advertisers. My name is Jeffrey Burke, and I'm a 40-year veteran of the natural products industry. I'm a naturopathic practitioner, a master herbalist, and the host of the Staying Healthy Radio Show. My shows air Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. here on 1230 a.m. I bring you relevant topics that we all need to know about and the best guests in the industry who bring the newest up-to-date information to my show. All of the shows stream live every day from 8 to 9 a.m. And for those of you who cannot listen live, you can listen to my podcast at stayhealthylasvegas.com and download the shows on demand. The show is sponsored by Stay Healthy Health Food Store, located at 840 South Rancho Drive on the corner of Rancho and Charleston in the Smith's Plaza. Visit them and see what a full-service local retailer can do for you. They offer exceptional service, the most knowledgeable staff, the highest quality products, and awesome prices. The hours of the store are 9 to 6, Monday through Saturday, closed on Sunday. I look forward to chatting with all of you soon. Stay healthy. Hello and welcome back to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. When you decide to start getting healthy, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to have to look at. And I think for most of us, we're going to have to start looking a little bit differently, maybe in a little bit of a different direction. And the biggest part about getting healthy is knowing that there's a lot of ways to approach it. And one of the ways to approach it is to make sure that you have the tools available. I think one of the things that I have learned is that we all have to start getting healthy. We all have to start thinking of things a little bit differently. And this last couple of years has really kind of put things into a different way of approaching our health and well being. Is it out of fear? Maybe. Is it out of a desperation? Possibly. Maybe it was a little bit of a wake up call for everyone to start prioritizing our health and well being. Nonetheless, it doesn't really matter what it was. I think a lot of people have come out of this and are coming out of this with a better sense of focus, with a better sense of um, prioritizing their health and well-being. And I think that's really important. Every day on the show, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning, I bring you the best guest in the industry. We talk about the relevant topics. We talk about the things that are important. We also talk about new alternatives and complements that are now available. And you know, I think we've all learned that things are always changing and we have to be a little kinder to ourselves realizing that we're basically all works in progress. So tune in Monday through Friday, eight to nine in the morning for some of the best up-to-date relevant topics as they relate to your health and well-being. What I've learned is you may tune in one day and say, you know, I'm not at that age that doesn't affect me yet, but it's good to know there's something there if and when I do need it. Be surprised how many times over 40 years people have come back to say, I know you heard you talking about this 20 years ago. It didn't apply to me then, but it applies to me now. What's available today? And that's what we try to do. And then, of course, I send you to Stay Healthy Health Food Store. Stay Healthy is Las Vegas's oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. They really do make things easy for you to stay on course because there's so much knowledge, so much education, because it's a fully packed, full service environment, you never feel intimidated. 
You never feel like you're going to be bothering everyone with questions because that's what they do. They answer questions, they have a dialogue, you're able to get the information you need, maybe to be aimed in a better, healthier direction. And because they only carry the best products, you're not gonna make a mistake. So when it comes to health and well-being, although we do tend to prioritize everything else in our life as more important than our health, you wanna make sure that you're choosing correctly. Because I'll tell you what, I don't care how many accolades you have, how much money in your bank, how popular you are, how well-received you are in the country and around the world, when you lose your health, every bit of that goes out the window. And then every ounce of your focus works on getting healthy and getting your health back. So let's pay a little bit more attention. Let's be a little kinder to our health and body. Let's do things even a little bit better. And maybe we can slow things down, maybe even prevent some things from ever being an issue just by using all those controllable variables that we do have. Our diet, our sleep, our activity, our water consumption, managing our stress, decompressing, avoiding negativity. These are things we can control and we need to control them more. Head over to Stay Healthy Health Food Store, 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right next to Smith's. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6. They're closed on Sunday. Remember for mail orders or maybe just on those busy days to get your order ready so you can swoop in and pick it up, give them a call at 877-2494, 877-2494. And remember their webpage, print a coupon, enter your email address for newsletters, Listen to any of the radio show on-demand podcast, always available on your time schedule at stayhealthylasvegas.com. Well, today, Neil Levin is back with us, and we're going to be talking about some things today that you're hearing about, probably reading about, and I would definitely say over the last couple of years, you've probably heard about it a little bit more. We're going to talk about vitamin D today and some of the nutrients associated with vitamin D. Let me give you a, a very amazing background of my guest. Neil is the nutrition education manager and product formulator for the natural products manufacturer, Now Foods. He's a board certified clinical nutritionist who has a diplomat in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment. He is a professional member of the International and American Associations of Clinical Nutritionists, serves on the Scientific Council of the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. Neil is a director, program chair, and the past president of the American Nutrition Association and serves on the Public Relations Committee of the American Herbal Products Association. His comments and articles are published in magazines and newspapers. He contributes to scientific journals, has been featured in countless radio interviews and television news reports. You can find his articles on his blog at honestnutrition.com and at nowfoods.com. He tweets as Neil E. Levin and on Facebook, I recommend following him on Honest Nutrition. Help me welcome my friend, my guest. Hey, Neil. Hello. It's nice to see you again. I got to see you recently. That was nice. Yeah, we actually got it in person. That was. It was kind of nice to see everybody there. I hadn't seen so many faces in a long time. It was, uh, it was really, really good. Um, it was good to have the show again. It's, it feels like we're kind of getting back, well, semi-abby normal. Oh, yeah. People are starting to get back together and meet for things in public, which is a nice thing. It is uh, a nice thing. I, I think, you know, a lot of people at a Natural Products Expo trade show are assuming they're having good health habits, as you were just discussing. Uh, I don't think everyone necessarily has such great habits, including myself sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we're all human, and a lot of us have uh, habits or whatever that are not necessarily ideal. But 
you know, staying as healthy as we can, uh, making sure we have enough nutrition, knowing that nutrition is related to immunity is a key factor. You know, and a very good point. And, you know, we are all human. You know, if we could even just be a little bit better to ourselves, I think we can see some monumental differences. And and that's really, really important. And, and I haven't seen, I mean, I literally have seen a lot more people that have actually started, people I've known for a long time that are now thinking about their health a little bit more. And I, I do think that the last couple of years has maybe given them that little cattle prod in the right direction. And, you know, for whatever reason, that's good. Well, I mean, uh... What people don't realize is that our immune system is only as good as our general health and our input of the nutrients needed to fuel our, our body structures and, and functions, including immunity. And uh, not only that, but, you know, there's things like uh, uh, vitamin levels, uh, antioxidant levels, are something that is actually recognized and sensed by both immune cells and uh, infectious agents, say, say viruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually sense oxidative stress and attack cells that have oxidative stress. They don't attack healthy cells as readily. Uh, so just like uh, a predator in the wild is going to cull a herd by attacking the weak, the old, the uh, not, not the prime strong specimens who can fight them or get away, they're going after the weak, uh, easy prey, uh, viruses do the same thing. So they're looking at how are your vitamin D levels, how are your probiotic levels, how are your antioxidant levels. And they're uh, choosing their victims, their cells that they're attacking, based on those criteria. And it's not just they're randomly attacking any cell in the body. They're actually somewhat selective. And the weaker your cells are, the more likely they are to succumb to even a mild infection. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of the last couple of years and how things have changed, it's also, we're seeing some changes basically in the industry. I remember 40 years ago when I was in a health food store and vitamin D was carried at that point, but we were actually you know, told not even to focus on vitamin D back then. I remember the words toxicity were thrown around and people don't need it if they're using a multiple vitamin and, and things like that. So it, it has really changed the, the, the whole way that we look at vitamin D. What has happened over time that now vitamin D has become a, a friend, not a foe? Well, uh, obviously there's been a, a ton more studies on mm-hmm. vitamin D over time, but Uh, The oversimplistic notion that vitamin D is inherently toxic is actually refuted by much of the data. Uh, Mm -hmm. Taking high doses can lead to toxicity, but in fact, uh, you know, because it's fat-soluble, it's not water-soluble like vitamin B or vitamin C, uh, the fat-soluble vitamins have long been seen as having inherently more toxicity because they tend to stay in the body longer. They tend to reside in the liver or places like that uh, where the fats are processed. And as a result, uh, there was a fear of them that was, in, in some cases, irrational. And, you know, doctors, remember, uh, if you go to a physician and ask for vitamin D, they're going to give you a very high dose much higher than you would take on a daily basis. 
And because that high dose has an inherent toxicity, if you took that amount every day, you would probably lead to uh, kidney damage or some other side effects from very, very high vitamin D levels that uh, are really pretty rare in people taking supplements. And you're certainly not going to see that in people taking, you know, 400, 600, 1,000, even up to 10,000 units a day. Uh, they're not going to see any toxicity uh, of concern. So they're talking about these heroic, what they call heroic doses or medical doses that can become dangerous if you're administering them to people who don't need them at, at really, really high doses. Uh, that's the inherent toxicity. But most people don't ex aren't exposed to that, and even sunlight is not capable of producing toxic levels of vitamin D in the body. Even if you get sun, uh, the body regulates itself where it's not producing more than uh, less than half of the amount of vitamin D circulating that would present a risk to the kidney. So mm -hmm. yeah, the other thing is we're seeing that higher levels are needed for certain things. And this is something that's been missed by a lot of health professionals, including people at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, where the daily value and the RDA, the recommended daily allowance of vitamin D has been set by, solely for its effects on bone and dental health and not taking into consideration higher doses needed for immunity, for preventing swaying and falls that could lead to hip fractures and things like that. Uh, the, the effects on cardiovascular health. There, there's a number of other areas that require higher doses of vitamin D than are needed for bone and dental health because vitamin D does more things. There are vitamin D receptors in the immune cells. There are vitamin D receptors in the prostate gland, for example. There are vitamin D receptors in breast tissue. So we could see that vitamin D has a much wider ranging role in the body than bone and dental health, yet that is the sole area where the people on the NIH committee that are uh, establishing the RDAs were looking at. And when we look at the doctors that they put on that committee, they did not choose any of the world's experts on vitamin D. They chose general practitioners, basically, to judge what vitamin D does, and they didn't include the vitamin D researchers themselves. So you have an extremely conservative amount recommended. Uh, even with the RDA going in 2010 from 400 to 600 units, raising by 50%, the experts said the RDA should have gone up to 2,000 units, not 600. I see. I see. No, that, that, that does make sense. And the question comes in, is there a detectable way without a blood test to know whether or not you need to be supplementing supplemental vitamin D? Is it something we should all just think about at a certain age? Are there lifestyle choices that make us more of a candidate for vitamin D? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they're buying their multiple vitamins. They think they're getting enough. Uh, they may get a little bit of it in their mineral formulation, and people will say, well, how do I know if I need more? Is blood work the telltale way? 
Well, that, that, certainly blood test is the most effective way, but there, there are some certain things that are recommended by, uh, say, osteoporosis foundations or other medical groups. Uh, certain people are at higher risk for vitamin D deficiency, and here's some of the groups that are. People who spend little time in the sun or those who regularly cover up when outdoors, and covering up includes the use of sunscreen. People living in nursing homes or institutions or people who are homebound. People with celiac or inflammatory bowel disease that might not be absorbing much from their diet. People taking medicines that affect vitamin D levels, including some anti-seizure medications. The darker the pigment of the skin, the less vitamin D you can make from sunlight and the longer it takes to make that vitamin D, sometimes three, four times as long. Uh, people who are obese or overweight, and that includes probably a, a third of American adults or more. And uh, there's older adults with other risk factors. Uh, these are all people who should be considering uh, uh, taking vitamin D. Uh, there are some groups that recommend uh, darker pigmented people and people who don't go out in the sun routinely take vitamin D. And... Getting it in a multivitamin is a very effective way to get it, but it might be a low dose compared to what you need. Uh, the other thing is looking at diet. Vitamin D comes from the fish livers, so eating small fish like anchovies that have the livers in them and not just eating fillets of fish. Eating fortified foods like dairy products that have vitamin D added to them or even you can get uh, orange juice with added vitamin D nowadays. Some eggs have vitamin D. Some mushrooms have vitamin D. If they're exposed to the sunlight when they're growing, they can produce vitamin D. And, uh, you know, shiitake mushrooms or some of the darker mushrooms are, are known to have that. And I've actually seen vitamin D claims on mushroom packages in grocery stores where they're uh, deliberately growing them under light that will allow them to make vitamin D. That's ultraviolet B, like Baker, uh, rays. And here, here's the trick that most people have never heard of. How do you make vitamin D from the sun? And the rule is you can only make vitamin D when the sun is more than halfway up in the sky. And if you're using your shadow as a gauge of that, your shadow has to be shorter than how tall you are. If you're six feet tall and your shadow is seven feet long, you can't make vitamin D. If you're six feet tall and your shadow is five feet long, you can make vitamin D, but only when your shadow is shorter than your height. So uh, I'm in Chicago area. Uh, if I go outside uh, in January and take off all my clothes and stand in the sun at high noon, on a, on a cloudless day, I cannot make any vitamin D. The sun is too low in the sky. It's like being in uh, Iceland or something. Mm -hmm. So you have to consider that the angle of the sun is important because the lower the sun is in the sky, the more these rays get filtered out by the atmosphere, the, the shallower the path of the sunlight, and it's filtering out most or all of the ultraviolet B, B rays that are needed to make the vitamin D in your skin. So if you expose, uh, say, a quarter or, or more of your 
skin without sunscreen to the sun when you have intense sunshine. The sun is high. Uh, uh, in, in your area, you're probably talking about June, July, August mm-hmm. in most of North America. Uh, that's the time when you can make in about 10 minutes if you're light skin and about 45 minutes if you're dark skin uh, vitamin D at the RDA level. If for moderate sunshine in the southern United States would be year-round, but in the northern United States, uh, say north of Atlanta uh, to L.A., uh, anywhere north of there in January, February, November, December, you cannot make vitamin D at any time of day. So there's a lot of times I'll see in the newspapers, oh, all you have to do is go out and get sunlight. And they're writing this in the winter. No, we can't make vitamin D from sunlight in the winter. The sun is too low in the sky. It is too weak. This question just came in, and I think it's right on topic. It says, thank you for making the differentiation, Neil, about the shadow. Here's my question. If I do go out during those key months and I do expose my skin and I make vitamin D, this may sound like a stupid question. Does it make it for a long period of time or does it only make it for that day? And that's why supplementing is important. What a great question. Yeah. No, I mean, that process occurs in the skin right away. And so it's going to last for a, a short period of time. You know, it, it's not going to be continuous. That's a... a that's a reaction in the skin, an immediate reaction. So what you're getting from the sunlight, you know, it might last for a few hours maybe, but it's certainly not going to last for days. Uh, I do recommend a multivitamin, even to people who get sunlight. Uh, there's not enough in the multivitamin to create toxicity. There's not enough vitamin D you can make from the sun unless you're an albino and you have no pigments. Uh, there's not enough you can make from the sun to... Uh, cause toxicity either. The toxicity tends to be from people taking really, really high doses. Here's another question. This is These are really good. Thank you guys for sending them in. It says, hey guys, I love it when you two are on. This is a great topic. Here's my question. My doctor recommended 1,000 vitamin D. Six months later, he recommended 2,000. And the next time I went in, he moved me to 5,000. Now, he has never tested my blood for vitamin D. I don't know why he keeps increasing it. Isn't the blood going to be the telltale sign of what I really need? Hmm. Well, that, I mean, that's true. The serum testing is the gold standard. But there, there's no real risk to taking 5,000. Uh, the right. upper limit in the United States is 4,000, and that's based on the safe level being 10,000 and the Institute of Medicine wanting a large safety margin. So, you know, really the upper limit based on medical literature should be 10,000. And the effective dose, the RDA, should be at least 2,000. You know, based strictly on medical literature, not, not margins of safety that they, they currently use. So there, there is no real risk to taking 4,000. I take 5,000 a day, and I have another, uh, you know, several hundred in my multivitamins. So, you know, I I am not at all concerned about taking that level, even though it's above the 4,000 official upper limit, which has that safety margin built in. You know, the 10,000 is the real safety limit. 
Uh, and and 10,000 is the amount that's considered not to provide a risk to the vast majority of people of having any toxicity or accumulation. So I think because there might be issues with absorption on, on some people, if you have uh, any fat digestion issues, if, if you have overweight obesity, uh, you know, those kind of factors, uh, if you're on certain medications, that can affect the absorption of vitamin D. So, you know, that is a concern as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, increasing it is kind of going along with seeing that the higher doses are more effective for additional benefits beyond the bone and dental health, which is which are the sole official reasons for taking vitamin D in this country and the sole basis for setting the RDA and the daily value at uh, 600 rather than 2,000, which is a more realistic number. Okay. Here's another question. It says, when do you start children on vitamin D, um, and do they need it? Is it as important as it is for adults? Well, that's an interesting question because uh, actually vitamin D drops are routinely administered to infants. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, now has partnered with Abbott Lab to provide uh, a packet of goodies, a goodie bag for new mothers that includes now's vitamin D drops for infants. So, and you know, you give them, uh, you know, maybe 400 units of, of vitamin D daily, you know, four drops of, of the liquid uh, for the infant. So vitamin D is probably the only vitamin that is routinely administered to infants. It's, it's assumed they're not going to be out in the sun. It's assumed that the mothers are not going to have enough from unless it's a really good uh, prenatal multi. So the way to avoid the risk of the children developing rickets and vitamin D is also associated with development of the uh, pancreatic uh, cells that create insulin. Lack of vitamin D could be associated with development of type 1 diabetes, for example, is, is one of the theories. Uh, you know, so the infants need vitamin D, and uh, a lot of doctors and hospitals are suggesting vitamin D supplements for infants. So it, it, that's the only real vitamin. You're not giving multivitamins to infants, typically. Uh, vitamin D is the only one. So, you know, it's a interesting factor when you're looking at what's actually being done in the real world by medical groups uh, is not necessarily well known by the public that vitamin D is that essential. Hmm. So this question just comes in and it's very easy. It's so where do I start, Neil? (laughs) Well, I would always recommend starting with a multivitamin. you cover a lot of bases there. You want, you're getting a little vitamin C. You're getting your B vitamins. You're getting chromium, selenium, antioxidant minerals, uh, things that help with immunity, uh, all in a multivitamin. So multivitamin is uh, really an ideal way to start for most people. I even take a multivitamin along with my handful of other supplements twice a day. So Me too. that's my base. You know, I, I start with the multi and then I add to it. 
and I add up vitamin D to it to get more vitamin D. Now, dosing-wise, I would say 600 units, the current daily value and RDA, is kind of the minimum that people should be looking at. Uh, if you're buying a separate vitamin D in a health food store, you're probably seeing levels like 1,000 to up to 10,000 as a common range. We actually make a 50,000 that we sell in the medical market, which is a common dose for doctors to give to raise levels. But it's not something you would want to take every day. If you took the 50,000 once a week, you'd have between seven and 8,000 units per day average from that 50,000 a week. You know, 50,000 divided by seven is uh, you know, a little over 7,000. So you know, that, that's even a reasonable number. If you took the 50,000 once a week, but we don't recommend selling that to consumers. Uh, taking a 5,000 once a day would do the same thing. Uh, I think taking uh, between 1,000 and 5,000 in addition to a multivitamin would be a reasonable strategy. Okay. So where does vitamin K come into the vitamin D conundrum? Well, there is a relationship between them. Uh, mm -hmm. Vitamin D most famously helps you to absorb uh, calcium. The problem is it doesn't do the rest of the job. It, it, it's like it'll take you to the airport, but it won't take you to the gate. Oh, oh I like that. <laughs> it, it's the limo driver. It's not the, or the cab driver. It's not the, uh, it, it's not the, the one that's actually taking you all the way to the gate. So vitamin K does that second part of the job. And and specifically vitamin K2, because there's two main forms of vitamin K. Uh, the uh, vitamin K1, which is the more common form in the diet, that's the form you get when you're eating green leafy vegetables, for example, uh, or certain grains. Uh, both vitamin K1 and K2 are in the food supply, but K1 is far more common. K2 t tends to be found primarily in fermented foods. And a lot of us don't eat a ton of fermented foods, so we're getting mostly K1 by eating, say, a salad or cooked greens or things like that. Uh, K K1 is mostly responsible for clotting factors. K2, rather than residing in the liver making clotting factors, circulates and is a scavenger transporter of calcium. So it'll actually look for calcium in the circulatory system, grab it, and carry it into cells and tissues where it can be utilized. It's used for muscle contraction. It's used to build bones, you know, certain heart tissues. Uh, so there's a role for calcium in, in different kinds of areas of the body. And vitamin K, is, as vitamin K2, is largely responsible for that secondary transport. So if you want to absorb a lot of calcium and have calcium deposits in the arteries or other parts of the body, that's a good, good way if you're dosing high on vitamin D, you're going to absorb a lot of calcium, but what's going to happen to it afterwards? So the second part is uh, the vitamin K2 moving it, and that's why vitamin K2 has uh, claims for cardiovascular health not just for, for bone and, and dental, because it's actually pulling calcium out of, out of the arteries 
and we're circulating looking for a place to go, and here's your guide, vitamin K2. So answer this question. This one just came in. It says, Neil, could you hit this question talking about this today? I've been told by some friends that when I take my calcium toward the end of the day, I split it between dinner and bedtime, that my vitamin D should be taken at the same time for better absorption. Is that true? Or just getting it in my system because it's a fat soluble, will it do the same thing anytime during the day? Huh, good question. Yeah, I mean, that is a good question. Uh, you really do not have to take it at the same time of day. Uh, vitamin D should be circulating in the body. I mean, the test is serum level, so it is circulating. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is helping you absorb the vitamin D. Uh, the vitamin D is helping you absorb the calcium, I should say, uh, regardless of whether they're taking it at the same time. It does not have to be in the digestive tract to help with absorption because calcium is water-soluble. Uh, you know, it will tend to absorb if it's acidified, if it's in the right form. Uh, that's why there's differences in calcium absorption. Uh, I, I know we get a lot of questions about calcium absorption, which is a related topic. And when I've looked at the research on there, and I actually posted a webinar about calcium forms and absorption and magnesium forms and absorption, that, that touches on vitamin D and K on the Now Foods webpage. Uh, there's, we have some webinars there. I have about a half-hour webinar on this. Uh, magnesium oxide, for example, uh, or calcium uh, carbonate, uh, can actually absorb better than the, the citrate or acidified forms if you have good stomach acid and take it with a meal. In, in some cases, the non-acidic forms that have been, gotten a really bad rap in the public in the recent years, uh, sometimes they can absorb twice as well as the pre-acidified forms like the citrate if you have stomach acid and take it with a meal. So there are some considerations. If you don't have good stomach acid, then it doesn't matter when you take it. Uh, you're not going to absorb it well at all. So for certain people... They might need the acidified forms like citrate, but for other people who have good stomach acid and take it with a meal, that is not necessary for them. So, you know, there are other considerations involved with this, too. Uh, the solubility in the form of the, uh, of the calcium itself or the magnesium that you're taking have, have roles as well. Now, one, one form of vitamin K that uh, especially good is the MK7 form of vitamin K2, and that is commonly found in a, well, I wouldn't say commonly found, it's uniquely found in a fermented soy food called natto, which contains both vitamin K2 and natokinase, which is an enzyme that uh, inhibits clotting, excessive clotting in the body, is used to keep the blood flowing well. They're both in the one food, and they're both isolated and sold separately. Uh, now Foods has actually gotten a different source because the same organism is grown on chickpeas instead of grown on soybeans, mostly because of the largely irrational fear of soybeans that's in the public. Uh, there is no problem with vitamin K that's grown on fermented soy. Uh, you know, it's not estrogenic, it doesn't have a negative effect, but 
so many people are afraid of soybeans nowadays that there's an alternative way to produce it on chickpeas. Uh, you know, and, and soybean is one of the most common allergens, but there's still a single-digit percentage of Americans who are allergic to soy, and there's many more people who are simply afraid of soy because of what I consider misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed, agreed. I actually take soy protein myself. I just had some in a smoothie this morning. Uh, soy protein actually has the best effect on the prostate gland of any of the proteins, strangely enough. People would not suspect that. They would think it would be feminizing or something. Quite the opposite. Hmm. Answer this question. It says, hey, guys, I love your show. I've been listening a long time. I am barely starting to get into health and nutrition. I've been a vegetarian for 40 years. For the longest time, our food supply was healthy, and now I'm learning even more and more about how unhealthy it is. So I have come over to more supplements that I've never done in the past. Here's my question. Isn't vitamin D only an animal source? Because I'm pretty sure I should take it because my last blood work showed that I was low, but I really don't want to compromise my value system by using something from an animal source. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, that, that is a good thought that you should supplement as a vegetarian. I, I, this is my 50th year of being a vegetarian, so congratulations. Um, and when I started, I knew that protein was a concern. And I knew B12 was a concern. What a lot of people are not aware of, that there's a lot of other nutrients involved. Uh, copper, iron are, are two that are more commonly found in meat and absorb better from meat sources. Um, omega-3 fats are harder to find. Uh, the vitamin D, of course, uh, which I'll talk about as well. Uh, you know, So there's... There's actually a number of different things that people need to be concerned about as vegetarians, and a multivitamin covers a lot of those bases, as we talked about earlier. Now, for vitamin D particularly, you can get vitamin D from vegan form. Uh, vitamin D2 is the most common, and there, there are lots of supplements made with vitamin D2 that are labeled as vegetarian slash vegan friendly, and... Uh, you know, that, that's something you can get. We have multivitamins. The multi I take has vitamin D2 in there, for example. Uh, vitamin D2 is as effective as D3 at physiologic doses. There is a difference at the, at the really, really high doses that doctors give, but that doesn't affect most of us uh, if we're just taking it as a supplement. Uh, mushrooms, uh, certain mushrooms will contain vitamin D as well. That's also vitamin D2. There are some supplements of vitamin D3 that are claiming to be vegan. Well, we have been looking at these for years at our company and have not gotten adequate documentation and testing to assure us that they are what they claim. Uh, some of them are from lichen, and the research I've seen indicates that lichen is about half vitamin D2 and about half vitamin D3, yet companies selling it are claiming only vitamin D3 which makes you wonder what they're doing or how they're processing it to get rid of the D2. Or are they? You know, is it accurately labeled? You know, so we're running into problems with uh, the accuracy of labels and claims and matching what competitors are claiming, and the material doesn't seem to match that. So because of these issues, now has not been able to come out with a vegan D3 that meets our standards where we want to test the material that it's grown on 
to see if it has vitamin D3 and how much. Look at the extraction method to see if it's extracting it and comes up with the result that they're giving us. The expected uh, processing is going to give us a certain result, and is it extracting other things with it? You know, there's certain markers we can look at to see if it's accurate. Uh, we did that, for example, with the Amla vitamin C products and found that they are fake. They're fraudulent. The Amla is not providing the vitamin C in the Amla vitamin C product you know, on the market. Uh, from the testing that we've done and we've sent out testing to very reputable labs, uh, university labs and international labs, and found out there's a different carbon dating type signature for the vitamin C and the AMLA. So there is some fraud going on, in my opinion, uh, in the market where people are claiming things that are not accurate and claiming sources that might be inappropriate. So we're very scrupulous at looking at these things, and that's one reason why we don't have a vegan vitamin D3. We are talking to another company now, but we're really doing our due diligence to make sure it is all from that source, that we're claiming all the forms of vitamin D in the source, and that there's no possibility of it being spiked with a synthetic vitamin D3 after the fact. Hmm. You know, it, it is interesting how the mentality has changed out there, you know, just in our industry and, you know, things that we talk about today we probably never would have talked about before. A lot of the things that are available today weren't available back then. It's amazing how technology has really taken us to a completely new level. You know, a lot of my friends are retiring and they're just like, you know, doesn't, doesn't it get tiresome talking about the same thing? And I said, what same thing? I said, this industry, you'll, I'm sure, agree, is perpetually changing and updating all the time. It never gets boring because there's new information all the time. Well, that's true. I'm, I, I get summaries of studies and uh, newsletters of people talking about studies. And, you know, I, I, I'm exposed to probably 100 or more studies, uh, abstracts a day that I'm mm -hmm. looking at that are relevant to nutrition somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of them I'll open up and look at some of the details. And if you look at my presentations, uh, some of them are on the Now Foods webpage or YouTube page. Mm -hmm. You can... Uh, See, uh, I reference my slides, and so you know I, I am u utilizing this information, and uh, you know things are constantly moving. Uh, the, the science of testing is advancing, and now is one of the companies that actually uh, develops and validates and publishes these methods that are used by industry. Some of these methods are more advanced than ever. Uh, we're able to scrutinize for adulterants, pharmaceuticals. Uh, we're looking for steroids and uh, male enhancement drugs and protein and, and various sports products as one example. Uh, we're looking at uh, more advanced instrumentation being able to test as well. But even beyond the testing, the, the studies are becoming more advanced. And we're, you know, there, there's a lot of scrutiny because a lot of people doing studies on nutrients are not adequately separating and accounting for all the variables. One example is vitamin D that we're talking about. Vitamin D can be made from the sun. It can be made from uh, or, or obtained from the diet if you're eating certain foods. Uh, and it can be obtained from supplements. 
So if you're only measuring supplementation, you're not looking at baseline serum levels, you're not looking at how much sun exposure someone gets uh, in the right conditions to make vitamin D, and you're not looking at their diet to see how much vitamin D might be expected to be obtained from food sources in, in their, their particular diet, then you're not really controlling all the variables. And a lot of the studies looking at nutrients are by apparently drug researchers that think that none of these things are in the food supply or in the case of vitamin D, you can't make it from the sunlight. So how do you account for that, the differences? They're not looking at baseline serum levels. If, if people take vitamin D this amount and it does or doesn't do certain things, it doesn't really show you what's happening if you don't know how much vitamin D that person already has and is that a drop in the bucket of what they need or are they fully uh, functional in terms of having, having plenty of vitamin D to do everything it does in the body. You know, you can't tell from most of these studies and some of them are positioning themselves as authoritative when they're anything because they have not controlled nutritional variables. This is a common problem I see in studies on vitamins, minerals, botanicals, they are not controlling the variables. They're pretending that supplementation is the only variable. Well, let me ask you this question then. This just came in, I do want to get it in. What about timing? With food, without food, is there a preference that you recommend? Vitamin D must be taken with food because it's fat soluble. And to activate the fat-soluble stuff takes about a teaspoon or about five grams of fat. And my wife can tell you, you know, when I'm uh, making a smoothie or something or taking my supplements, I'll, I'll look at labels and see, okay, this beverage has a certain number of grams of fat and this flax meal has a certain amount. Am I hitting that five or ten grams of fat that is the, kind of the minimum? to help me absorb my fat-soluble nutrients. I'm taking my multi and, th and things like that with it. Uh, you know, that, that is a consideration. Fat-soluble nutrients, vitamins A, D, E, and K, uh, need to be taken with fat. Uh, other things are fat-soluble as well. Uh, uh, curcumin, the turmeric extract, uh, you know, a number of things. GABA, even though it's water-soluble, it requires phospholipids from fat to pass the blood-brain barrier. So fats are needed for transport either from the digestive tract or into the brain and cells in some cases. So you need a certain amount of healthy fats, and uh, I would say 5 grams, a teaspoon, is the absolute minimum to absorb fat-soluble nutrients. Okay. Someone just asked, they said they've been on vitamin D a good amount for a long time. If they were to stop taking it, how long would it take for it to be completely used up in the body or to the point when they could actually reflect a deficiency? Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, it would probably take months or years, depending mm -hmm. on the amount they need. Uh, mm -hmm. And how much are they getting from sunlight and the diet? Remember, cutting out supplementation does not necessarily cut out all sources. And there might be a good amount stored in the liver and, and fat cells as well. So, uh, yeah, I would not expect, you know, kind of like B12, you know, it's going to take many months to notice anything. It's not going to be something you would notice within days or weeks. Okay. Yeah, I take usually about 5,000 units a day. 
and the last time I had my D checked, it was in good range where I think it's good. You know, they consider ranges different than I do. I looked at the range and it was in a good area. And then I think to myself, you know, I wonder how many people just don't even know. Because I don't think you, they do the blood work for your D unless you request it or they're interested. <laughs> yeah, that's usually an extra test. And it's, you know, 50, 75 bucks or whatever for the, the extra test. I've had, I test mine every two or three years. And uh, last time I checked, my level was in like the 60s, which is about double the, the minimum level that's considered adequate. 30 nanogram per milliliter is considered mm. adequate. But there's a lot of people in this country that have levels in the teens or even single digits, and their risk of death goes up dramatically, like over double, at the lower the vitamin D level comes. And it's so easy. I mean, it's just so easy to start supplementing a vitamin D. You know, it's just one of the easiest things, and yet it just seems like um, people don't talk enough about it. Because I've had people that have shown me their blood work, and they're like, I had no idea my vitamin D was this low. And I'm just like, well, now you do. Now you know what to do. <laughs> well, a lot of it's the avoidance of sunlight. There's so much fear of, of being out in the sun without sunscreen nowadays. Sure. And people are sure. so tied to in, in, indoor activities that uh, a lot of people just don't get enough naturally. Okay. Well, anything else you want to say? you got about a minute left on vitamin D that we might have missed. I think we did good. Yeah, well, vitamin D and vitamin K are both fat-soluble. They need to be taken with meals. They need to have fat associated with them. If you don't take them with a meal, at least take them with a teaspoon or tablespoon of fish oil, flax oil, coconut oil, whatever your favorite oil is, nutritionally, uh, to make sure you absorb it. And, you know, try to get some sunlight without sunscreen. You know, 10 minutes is adequate in, in the summer for uh, people light skin. It might take 30 or 40 minutes if you're darker skin because that will uh, block some of that sunlight. That's actually the purpose of uh, having darker skin. Light skin is actually a mutation for people who have moved to northern climates. The original... Uh, uh, the original people are all from Africa, and we're dark-skinned to protect us against the, the, the sun. So all of our ancestors were, were black, you know, basically. Uh, I know that's probably controversial to say, but, uh, you know, my, my light skin is, is a mutation from one of my ancestors uh, long ago because they lived in northern Europe. Well, I thank you for this. This was um, thanks for making it so easily understandable and and hitting on some really key, key points. And once again, it was great to see you in person, my friend. Glad to see you, and I uh, wish good health to all of your listeners. God bless you. Take care. Bye bye now. My guest today, Neil Levin, representing Now Foods. Um, such a wealth of information and uh, just an incredible industry insider. Um, he just has so much information to share. I love having him here. So when you think about vitamin D, think about Stay Healthy Health Food Store. And when you think about Stay Healthy Health Food Store, go there and talk with them. Check out all the Now Foods products are there, including their vitamin Ds and their K2s and their MK7s, all that there. But you can ask questions and you'll be able to definitely uh, get yourself into the, uh, the vitamin D balanced situation that I think all of us need to think about. So head over to Stay Healthy Health Food Store. Stay Healthy is located at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center. 
northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right next to Smith's. Stay Healthy is your one-stop, full-service location for everything health and nutrition. Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade in the Valley. You can call them at 877-2494-877-2494 for mail order services. Or, you know, just on those busy days, you know what you need, give them a call, they'll get it ready. You can swoop in, pick it up, and be on your way. And especially when you find something that's working, you don't want to run out. Because you know what happens, you run out and then the bottle gets pushed to the back of the counter or the back of the cabinet and all of a sudden it's six months later and you realize you haven't been using something that was probably working. So we don't want that. So they want to make it easy for you. So give them a call, 877-2494. Remember to print a coupon or to, to get a monthly newsletter, you can enter your email address uh, or listen to any of the radio show podcasts all at their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. Now foods, you'll find them all over the Stay Healthy store in just about every department in every category. Uh, very high quality, uh, really well-sourced company. Uh, Marge and I went a couple years ago to their headquarters and their laboratories, and I was incredibly impressed by the cleanliness and the, the intricate um, testing facility that they use. So um, feel comfortable using any of the Now Foods products. Very high quality. Um, so head over to Stay Healthy. Remember to call them at 877-2494. Once again, the address, 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town & Country Center on the northwest corner next to Smith's. Uh, when you're at the store, don't forget, uh, fill out a slip for their monthly giveaway basket of the month. Never know if this is going to be your month uh, to walk away with one of those great baskets. They're fully packed, loaded with product. And when you're there, ask a question that relates to you individually and your healthy journey. You may find that a little bit of information can get you there a little better, a little more effectively, and a little bit better success. So definitely keep that in mind. Stay Healthy Health Food Store, your one-stop full-service location for everything health and nutrition. Go there today and put your health in the priority mode. Have a great day, everyone. Do something healthy. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. Remember to tune in Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. for the most up-to-date, relevant information on your health and well-being. With the best guest in the industry, helping us all to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. For your convenience, podcasts of the show are available at stayhealthylasvegas.com. Make sure to visit Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer. The store hours, Monday through Saturday from 9 to 6 p.m., closed on Sunday. Stay Healthy provides exceptional service and outstanding knowledge every day. I hope to talk with all of you soon. Stay healthy.